Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, guys? We are days, days away from one of the most anticipated Nogi superfights of all times. Felipe Pena versus Gordon Ryan goes down this weekend, Sunday, August 7th, live here on Flow Grappling. Myself, Howell Teague, Corey Stockton, and we will be joined later in the show by Chase Smith also to discuss the upcoming event this weekend because it is a huge one. And as you can probably guess by the title of today's show, it's all about the trash talk between the two and whether it's real or not. But before we get into that... There's little, uh, there's, there's other things happening in the world of jujitsu that's worth talking about, right? Yeah, it's it's uh, it doesn't all revolve around who's number one, right? There there is some other jujitsu going on, uh, some other some other action. Uh, up first being the IBJJF Grand Prix. Right? Let's do this. Let's get straight into the news from uh, the the weekend and also things that are coming up. So this weekend, uh, excuse me, the following weekend after the who's number one, August twelfth, we've got the IBJJF GP. And as you mentioned there, uh, we've had a pullout and a replacement. And to, for my money, it's a pretty good one. Yeah, I was surprised when uh, when the IBJJF announced this match uh, that. This match hadn't happened before. I was thinking right. back. I thought I thought I'd seen it, but uh, Andy Murasaki is out against Levi Jones. Larry, he's going to be replaced by Jonathan Alves. Yeah. So apparently Murasaki's out with a rib injury. We heard that he broke a rib, or at the, the very least, uh, badly hurt his rib in training. He had to withdraw from his match. The upcoming it was meant to be a middleweight super fight with Levi Jones Leary. So he's out. But I feel that Jonathan Alves, uh, well known as a lightweight competitor. Art of Jiu-Jitsu Black Belt, trained by, uh, obviously, Guy and Hafa Mendes. Replacing him, he's a three-time Pan champion, whereas Murasaki was a, uh, you know, a silver medalist at the Worlds most recently there, just a couple of months ago. It's, um, if anything, it's uh, it's less of now of a style versus style match than it was before. Because before, you had Levi, the Barambolo specialist, quite obviously a guard, favors the guard, going up against Murasaki, a notable pressure passer. But this match now for me, becomes a, le- a lot less clear to define. Yeah, John- Jonathan is still, uh, he he is well-rounded, but I, I'd say he's still maybe a guard passer, just not exactly as um, as refined uh, or as maybe boxed in as, as Murasaki's style is, right? You know what you're getting with Andy Murasaki as far as his passing style. Jonathan can do it all. And that, oh, he'll mix that, it up. Right, and that, that changes things for, for Levi, I think, his approach to this. Yeah, I mean, l- let's be honest. You know, he's a product of art of jiu-jitsu. Been training with them since color belt right and Jonathan has got that world-class Baron Bolo game 
just like any single member of the AOJ team. He can go head-to-head with the Berimbolo game with Levi, no sweat. But he's also got that surgically precise passing game that Mendes has crafted so well and has passed on to a few of his, you know, best pupils, Jonathan being one of them. Um, yeah, I'm really interested to see it. I think that a big uh, factor in this match will be the strategy. And I feel that, you know, Guy Mendes will have concocted a genius game plan for this match against Levi. But what that looks like, that's a real mystery, right? Yeah, it's, it's going to be, I, I mean, and Levi's strategy too is is always uh, a little tough to guess at, right? Because everybody knows how good his Baron Bolo game is, but he likes to branch out. And I'd like to see, you know, how he uses maybe those the sh- that shoulder lock game he's been developing, or maybe some uh, some different variations of the guard to to handle what I think is going to be Jonathan's passing game. Yeah, primarily. absolutely. Levi, big fan of the Barata Plata and the Taraka Plata from uh, from the all kind of positions, enters into it from many different ways. Very creative grappler. This is going to be an interesting match. So uh, next big story is that Mika Galvao. Mika Galvao is hosting a seminar. This weekend, Saturday, August 6th, in Dallas, Texas, just the day before he competes at Who's Number One, you will have the opportunity to train with and to learn from one of the best grapplers in the world right now. Yeah, really excited to see uh, the the details and the nuances that Mika brings. His game is so uh, intuitive, but there, there's so many details that I, I don't think a, a lot of uh, fans kind of just see watching, and the, I think... There's a lot to be learned from Mika, the way he counters the overhook game, the way he utilizes his arm bars. His passing game is phenomenal. His wrestling game, whatever he brings, he's going to have a lot to offer. Yeah, so uh, Mika Galvao is uh, the youngest IBJJF Black Belt World Champion in history, and he'll be teaching a no-gi seminar at 3 p.m. on Saturday, August 7th. And I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, there was a surprise appearance from, let's say, his father, Melky Galvao, maybe even his fight sports teammates, uh, Fabricio Andre. And Diogo Hayes, who, of course, both competing this weekend on Who's Number One as well. We'll wait and see. Tickets are $70 in advance or $100 on the door. You can go to the Flow Grappling website, check out the Grappling Bulletin article. There is a registration link right there. Don't miss that opportunity. Should we move on? Let's go. So the next one is the fact that Flow Grappling is actually hiring. We are looking to get a digital marketing intern. If you want to work with us, the industry-leading jiu-jitsu company, media company, then you can do so. We are basically hiring people right now, and um, not a lot of qualifications necessary for this one. You've got to know your way around the digital marketing landscape, right? I think knowing the difference between TikTok and Toehold is pretty important, but beyond that, just looking for some really really enthusiastic and passionate grappling fans right yeah and and it sounds like many of our viewers right if you're if you're watching if you're tuning in if you're paying attention to what's going on in jiu-jitsu that's a sign come and join the party guys it's gonna be fun (laughs) uh okay a lot of mma news to cover right now and uh, we got two very notable names from the world of grappling are going to be active very soon. And the first one we want to talk about is Marcus Bouchesha Almeida. So Bouchesha returns on August 27th for his fourth MMA fight. And he is on a roll right now. So Bouchesha right now is 3-0. And we have this video that is just a little slideshow of his most recent fight with one championship. Bouchesha... It's a perfect 3-0 record, and none of his fights have gone past the three-minute mark of the first round, Corey. Yeah, three finishes and three fights is a great way to start any mixed martial arts career, right? And Buchecha is delivering exactly as expected, and I think one keeps on throwing bigger and bigger challenges at him. So 
Um, looking to see what, what he can do in his his fourth his upcoming fourth fight. He's taking on a Belarusian fighter, Kirill Grishenko, six foot four heavyweight. <laughs> He's going to be uh, right at the upper limit of the heavyweight division, six foot four, two hundred sixty five pounds. And uh, but Bouchesha has taken out some big men already. And uh, you know it's. Uh, he's had a struggle. He's had some problems trying to find willing opponents, right? People have, have pulled out. They've, you know, fights have fallen through at the last minute for various reasons, injuries, COVID, who, who, you name it. But he's finally got some momentum going. And I, I feel like for Bouchesha, that's what he was really looking for because he was training hard at American Top Team. But really, it was all about putting those skills to the test. And now he's actually, he seems to be getting somewhere. Right, and I think finding the challenges is, is the hard thing, at, especially at a heavier weight class, right? There's maybe less uh, less competitors to go around, and um, narrowing that down and getting that momentum going is the crucial part of, of making that career stick. Um, and it looks like he's, he's finally got the opportunities. Yeah, we're very excited to see that. August 27th in Singapore, Bouchesha returns to action. And uh, yeah, speaking of MMA fighters uh, from the world of jiu-jitsu, well, this is an interesting one because Lucas Hulk Barboza of Atos. Now, you know him as the IBJJF Black Belt World Champion. You know him as an ADCC bronze medalist. Well, people forget that Hulk, way back in the day, has already fought MMA. So this is technically, this is not his MMA debut. This is his comeback. And his last MMA fight was in 2012 when he was still a teenager. <laughs> or he was 19, 20 years of age, right around there. So long layoff. But he rose to the top of the jiu-jitsu world. And he's going to be fighting on PFL, on the undercard of, a, of an event at Madison Square Garden. That's, that's a huge opportunity for Hulk. And I think the, uh, as successful as he was as just a purple belt, right? Coming back now as a black belt world champion, as an ADCC medalist, we're going to see an entirely different, way more prepared Hulk if you've seen him grapple, which I'm sure you have. It, it, it's a lot... Um, a lot of the skill sets that, that translate well to MMA, right? It's not just guard play. It's heavy pressure passing. It's great takedowns. His, his jiu-jitsu game is built for MMA, which you can say for, for a lot of Atos, uh athletes. Imagine, imagine when he gets on top and he starts unleashing the ground and pants. That's going to be a fearsome sight. Um, he's 2-1 and one at the moment uh, with one submission, and uh, his opponent is a russian based in the u.s elmar umarov has a record of four and one but the thing about this match that i find curious is the timing because this match august 5th friday august 5th this fight goes down just 43 days out from adcc so he made the podium uh, under 99 hit the bronze medal uh the under 99 kilogram division in 2019 and he's going to go into the under 88 kilogram division this year 2022 but uh, I'm wondering the proximity of the fight to ADCC that should Hulk pick up an injury, let's hope he doesn't, but if he does, do you think that opens a spot in the 88 kilogram division? Uh, I mean, let's, let's hope it doesn't, but exactly. I'm sure that uh, there, there are plenty of opportunities for uh, 88 athletes, 88 kilogram athletes that are kind of on the outside looking in at the moment. There's a short list. There's a short list of alternates. You know, the Mojasim already has a number of names in mind, specifically people who have competed at and performed very well in the trials events. But uh, yeah, definitely, um, you know, you wouldn't want to see somebody lose their spot at ADCC. But I don't think Hulk had a lot of choice as to when the MMA fight was booked because we've been talking about his return to MMA all year and it's just 
coincidental that it happens to be so close to the biggest grappling event in history. So, well, we'll see what happens there, but we'll keep an eye out on the result on this Friday. We'll report back next week in next edition in the next edition of Grappling Bulletin. Cool. Well, results time. Let's talk a little bit about some of the biggest results that happened from last weekend, and maybe you want to kick us off with Fight to Win, Corey. Yeah, Fight to Win 207, the main event was Yuri Samoyes versus uh, versus Roosevelt Souza. Uh, Roosevelt Souza ended up winning by decision. Uh, it was a split decision. Kind of a, a stalemate match. Uh, Play the clip as we're talking about this. We've got a, a little highlight here. So A lot of heavy hand fighting in the wrestling, right? And uh, a couple couple of nice shots, but really the, uh, the, the match was decided as it got down to the ground. Uh, yeah, no, I was surprised, actually, because Yuri is a great wrestler. And uh, yes, uh, he's competing this time in the under 99 kilogram division. Uh, it's where he won one of his ADCC, one of his two ADCC gold medals. And Roosevelt's going to be competing in the over 99 kilogram division. So you have to think, yes, there is a distinct size advantage there and size difference that Roosevelt was much, much bigger. But Yuri couldn't take him down. It was, it was Roosevelt who pulled, and it really was all about this leg lock exchange at the end that kind of decided the, the decision, right? Right, and, and speaking of, uh, of Roosevelt's kind of uh, takedown defense, you can say the same for Yuri's leg lock defense and the growth of it, because Roosevelt, I've seen him break a number of legs this year, right? right. He, he, knows how, he knows how to snap those limbs, so uh, the, the fact that Yuri was able to hang in, the, hang in that pocket with him uh, speaks to both these guys' kind of abilities headed into ADCC. Yeah, Samoy's obviously very disappointed with that decision. It was a split decision, two judges to one, uh, favoring Souza in a close match. But uh, yeah, it's good to see these ADCC competitors getting active, getting those matches in as we get closer to the big show in September. And I'm sure we'll see more of those. Uh, another example of that would be at the Toro Cup that took place also over the weekend. So Gabriel Souza is going to compete in the under 66 kilogram division. And he had, as he often does, uh, just a bomb burner of a match with Gavin Corbett. So let's roll the clip of this because this is a typical Gabriel Souza match. It's furious, it's fast paced, it's scrappy. It feels like one long scramble. But Corbett, man, this is a competitor who impressed me a lot at the ADCC trials. Him and his brother DeAndre, they are just coming up through the ranks. And uh, Corbett was happy to go head to head with Souza in those scrambles. Yeah, and, and he was he was initiating a lot of. I think maybe he made a strategic mistake in pulling early. Uh, and, and allowing Gabriel to play on top where he's so good at that rushing, aggressive side-to-side -side passing. But he initiated a lot of uh, a lot of attacks here, that leg lock, this wrestle-up, uh, where ultimately the match was decided. Uh, Gavin wrestled up, tried to take the back, and then Gabriel Souza did a really, really slick job of turning the tables. Uh, but we talked about alternates being, you know, being prepared and being on the outside looking in. Uh, matches like this for for guys like Gavin and his brother DeAndre are a great opportunity to make that claim that hey, there's there's a spot available, 66, for example. You know, throw one of these guys in. They're hanging in there with and with an ADCC invitee. Yeah, yeah, this this end sequence that actually led to Souza getting those points was just wild. But I mean, that's what you expect when you're watching Gabriel Souza. And uh, he's fought a number of times now. I've lost count of the number of times that he's competed on this event, Toro Cup. It is based on the East Coast and kind of in his neck of the woods, North Carolina area. And uh, has done a really good job of showcasing some of the talent in the region. And uh, this is just another example of why you should be checking out these events when they are live on Flow Grappling. Because if you didn't catch it, you can go and you can check out the replay as well. Cool. Well, there's one other uh, event that we wanted to highlight from over the weekend, and this was the Enigma uh, Jiu-Jitsu tournament that took place. A series of super fights went down right here in 
uh, Austin, Texas. Now, this was a closed-door event that wasn't live-streamed. You can only watch it on demand on their website. But it featured a number of very notable names, um, specifically competing in an open-weight tournament. Now, we've pulled some clips from their social media, and we're going to roll some clips right now. And this is of the tournament winner Giancarlo Bodoni, who, as you know, will compete in ADCC in September after qualifying and winning the trials at 88 kilograms. He's a new wave team member. He's a jiu-jitsu black belt. And Bodoni showed in the... A series of really strong performances, actually. But three matches, three submissions. Man, he's on a roll right now. Yeah, Giancarlo is really seems to be, he seems to be benefiting from his move to Austin. Right, he he only moved out here about six months ago, uh, but has been just on, on an incredible hot streak since then. Uh, had three submissions yesterday, uh, including a guillotine, I think a triangle, and uh, in the final, a smother from the mount. Yeah, we'll see that in just a second. So his first match against uh, Joe B of B Team, that was the triangle. This is Joe. Dirkizing, uh, world uh, nogi silver medalist, and as you can see there, Bodoni caught him with a guillotine off the shot. So Bodoni dangerous from both top and bottom. And speaking of the danger from the top, so Bodoni was able to execute against the Gracie Baja black belt what Gordon Ryan was not against Pedro Mourinho because Bruno Matias on bottom, Gracie Baja black belt, as we mentioned, training partner and teammate of Pedro Mourinho. This is what Gordon was trying to do in the match against Mourinho. And Bodoni, obviously learning a thing or two from the King Ryan, was able to get that smother choke. Man, if you are an, if you are a competitor right now at the top level and you have a new wave uh, a new wave athlete standing across from you, you had better be very careful about that smother from the mount. Yeah, I love the size of that trophy <laughs> as well. By the way, look at that. That's that trophy's got to be. Close to seven feet tall. It's huge. <laughs> it reminds me of Pride MMA. If you guys remember the old school Pride fights, man, they used to come out with these gigantic trophies that were taller than the fighters. I love it. I love it. Doing big things here for the local Austin scene. Okay, so that's the news. Those were the results. Let's now look ahead to Gordon Ryan versus Felipe Pena this weekend. So we've got tons of people watching live on the YouTube. We've got tons of people in the live chat. Shout out to everybody watching and commenting and joining in the live chat. Hit us up with your questions, your comments, whatever. We'll do our best to respond to the messages as we go through. I know you guys are very, very excited for the match between Gordon and Felipe this weekend. And, you know, I'm just looking at it right now. The, the main topic of today is, of course, is about the trash talk and the personal beef between Gordon Ryan and Felipe Pena. The first thing I did was I hit a poll in uh, the live chat asking how many of you were fans of or, or really like the trash talk and it's over half it's a solid 63 percent of you right now like the trash talk in jiu-jitsu and the reason i'm asking is because Corey, trash talk in martial arts and in jiu-jitsu in general doesn't have the best rep it's a very divisive topic right yeah and it's, uh, specifically you're right in in maybe traditional martial arts and jiu-jitsu which is kind of a hybrid right it has traditional martial arts roots but you look at other martial arts right uh mixed martial arts for example Boxing, trash talk, trash talk is a lot more prominent, and I think it has uh, has gone to show that those those martial arts get a lot more attention. So it is. It's that. It's that inhabiting two worlds at the same time, right? Because jujitsu is both a martial art and a sport, a combat sport. So the martial art side of jujitsu 
it promotes certain values such as respect, such as um, personal responsibility, composure, resilience, you name it. Whereas the combat sport is part of the fight business. And the fight business encourages physical skills, qualities such as aggression, intimidation, stubbornness, not always the nicest of qualities, but are sometimes very necessary to be successful, right? So those two things, those that dichotomy, let's call it, the, the of jujitsu, the martial arts side, the respect, and the sort of the abrasive nature of the fight game, it doesn't always sit well with some people, but it's a reality of the jujitsu game business nowadays yeah and, and when you when you look at somebody like like gordon ryan right who is for sure the best trash talker in jiu-jitsu you understand why right love him or hate him uh, people people are interested in what he has to say right and the same can be said at least in relation to gordon ryan about felipe penna right because when he's talking about felipe penna uh, or, or when he's talking about gordon ryan uh people are very interested in hearing what what felipe penna has to say and i think it's because he has the only submission win. He has the only two victory, uh, the only pair of victories against Gordon Ryan. So it matters very much what he has to say about Gordon. So I was watching a very, very interesting documentary over the weekend. It's the Muhammad Ali documentary on HBO Max, and it is just fantastic. It's this career-spanning documentary uh, about the rise of the greatest heavyweight boxer of, of all times, and a lot of it focuses, of course, on the trash talk, the pre-fight barbs, puns that that Muhammad Ali used to make. He used to make predictions. He was the first guy to do so, you know? He'd say, oh, this guy's a boring. He's going to go down in four, you know? It, it, he, he was the guy who really wrote the book on trash talking in combat sports. And apparently he learned that from pro wrestling, which is kind of interesting because pro wrestling is, of course, that theatrical element to it. And, you know, in the 1950s and 60s when Muhammad Ali was coming up, you know, he saw that and he's like, man, that's show business. And he injected that into the fight game. And, of course, has served as a reference point ever since. And you can point to many, many examples in many different combat sports ever since. And Gordon Ryan is just the latest example, but the most prominent example in grappling and in jiu-jitsu. So, in terms of jiu-jitsu, I would say that there are very few rivalries that have endured as long and as heated relationships as Gordon and Felipe. There have been some epic rivalries in the past that have resulted in some crazy trash talk. Just think about back, you know, Ryan Gracie versus Valij Ishmael, right? Just resulted in some of these iconic promos and videos where they're calling each other out, talking all kinds of crazy stuff. That was a relatively short-lived thing. Well, Gordon versus Flippy has just been nonstop for six whole years, right? Yeah, and I think that it's it's due to I think two major factors, right? The persistence of Gordon Ryan's shit talk ability, and also the the kind of the long sting that is Pedro uh, that is excuse me uh, Felipe Pena's two victories, right? Yes. Neither of those guys are willing to let that go. So I think one of the reasons that trash talk rubs people up the wrong way is because it is at its absolute worst when it is inauthentic, and people can sniff that out. They can very, very quickly identify bad trash talk. It just turns you off. 
And, you know, trash talking can very quickly devolve into just puerile, immature name-calling, insults, and just trying to be offensive to get a reaction. It just doesn't work. What's best is when the trash talk is, is when it's authentic, is when it's real, is when there is a personal dislike between these two competitors, and that is absolutely the case. And uh, we've got a video, a couple of videos here that we're going to play. And the first of all is this big promo video that really kind of sets the stage for this weekend's fight. And producer Nico, take it away, and then we come back. We're going to hear from both Flippy and Gordon. Play this clip, please, if you will. On August 7th, the grappling world will stand still. Two of the sport's most bitter rivals will finally settle the score at the biggest Who's Number One event of all time. It wouldn't be historic without the sport's most significant star, Gordon Ryan. Any of these pussies in the top five, top 10, whenever any of you want to compete, let me know. The brash, talented and confident 27-year-old black belt has single-handedly transformed the sport. With 55 straight victories, an unmatched submission rate, and the title of who's number one heavyweight champion, Gord Ryan has earned his nickname, The King. Oh man, it's a bad day for the haters today. <laughs> there is the finish. Gordon Ryan with the submission. Even Gordon's most vocal detractors have all fallen silent. His greatness has become undeniable. Gordon has continued to pick off submission wins over veterans, contenders, and the new generation of phenoms. His list of challengers have grown quieter and quieter, all reluctant to come for the crown. Until now. Felipe Pena isn't afraid of anyone especially not a competitor he's already defeated twice. A multiple-time world champion in jiu-jitsu, Pena is on his way to becoming one of the greatest champions Brazil has ever produced. Felipe has not only beaten Gordon, he's the only man to ever submit him in black belt competition. If Gordon has a kryptonite, it might be Felipe Pena. And before the career of this legendary grappler is over, he has his sights set on defeating the king one more time. On August 7th, two fierce adversaries will take to the mat, destined to cross paths once more. One is eager to avenge his past mistakes. The other relishes the opportunity to silence the biggest trash talker in the sport. When the dust settles in Dallas, Texas, one will walk away with victory. The other will suffer a devastating loss. One way or another, someone will tap out. And someone will carry the crown for years to come. This is true submission only. This is the best fighting the best. This is the road to who's number one, Gordon Ryan, versus Felipe Pena, three. 
I dare you not to be excited for this match after that promo video. Absolutely incredible. So as you can see, the history between these two is considerable. And the personal animosity between the two is very, very real. So let's examine a little bit about why that is. So I think it's best that what we do first, it first is we hear from Felipe Pena. We listen to this short clip and then we kind of uh, we dive into his reasons. Are you excited for the Super Fight with him? Yeah, man, big time. I think it's more important for me than even DCC. Really? Yeah. How, how come? I want uh, to face him before I do MMA, you know, like that's my main goal. Just competing in DCC, I would compete on my weight class, you know. Yeah. But uh, I was doing DCC, of course, because it would be a huge uh, event and I want to be part of it. But uh, especially because I want to face quarter, you know. Yeah. I think it would be good for me to face him. If I, if I beat him, I shut up everyone, you know, before I go to MMA, it would be like the best uh, the best thing to close a career, you know? Why do you want to fight him so bad? You're, you're 2-0 against him. He should be the one that wants to fight you. Why do you want another match with him? Because he's the guy who talks a lot of crap all the time, you know? <laughs> that's take really personal and uh, uh, makes me want to fight him. And of course, because he won the open weight, you know? Like me and him are the last uh, two open weights uh, champions of ABC, you know, so I think everyone wants to watch that match and uh, me as an athlete, I want to uh, do the biggest matches, you know, face the best guys and I think for sure he's like uh, the best one everyone is talking now. So even if I beat him two times, I think if I beat him again, it would be really good for my career as well. So I think it's pretty clear from hearing Felipe talk that he definitely respects Gordon's achievements. He respects his ability, but we know that he doesn't appreciate his long history of online harassment, right? And he certainly didn't like his behavior in Gordon's most recent match. That, of course, was against Pedro Mourinho, friend, training partner, former student, teammate of Felipe Pena, right? Yeah, he, he was... Uh very uh very against the way gordon was acting in that match and actually said that he was interested in teaching gordon a lesson as a result of that match yeah said that ryan was disrespectful in his conduct the way that he would tap pedro on the head the way that he was kind of talking to people in the crowd singing along to the music and said that he hopes to teach gordon a lesson well it's here then what gordon has to say not in response but his thoughts on his relationship with flippy so Felipe came out afterwards and said something about how he thought you were disrespectful with Pedro and he's going to teach you a lesson or something like that. So what do you, how do you feel about that? Well, first of all, he said, I hope I can teach him a lesson, but just shows that he has no confidence and he can actually hit a single offensive move on me. If you don't want me to hold your student down and mount for 20 minutes and pet his head, maybe you should make your students better. Um, and the best part was, he's like, oh, well, you know, Pedro's not known for a guard player. <clears throat> I wasn't really impressed. And it's like, dude, first of all, that's your student. The only thing you're known for is playing guard and attacking the back. So saying that Pedro isn't going to play guard and he's your student is a slight on you. Saying You're basically saying that you have no ability to transfer your skills and knowledge to other people. You just called yourself a terrible teacher by saying Pedro can't play guard when he's supposed to be your student. And then you said he wasn't impressed because we didn't get to see Pedro play top position and he's mostly known as a top player. Well, 
he played top position the entire first match against me, and I broke his leg in two minutes from bottom guard. So, just listening to this guy talk, it's like, wow, this guy's as dumb as a rock. He doesn't even think about the things that he says before they come out of his mouth. Um, and talking about disrespectful, the entire first match with Felipe, he was sticking his fingers in my eyes like this. We got into side control, he was talking shit to me, he was shoulder checking me in the face. And at the end of the match, I went to go get up and he shoved me back down to the floor. Like, that was disrespectful. Me, I'm just putting on a show. And if you don't want me to hold you down a mouth and pet your head, maybe you should get better at jiu-jitsu. Um, but uh, if he thought that was disrespectful, man, he's in for a rude awakening when, uh, when I get my hands on him. So, it's kind of obvious to see where Gordon's problem with Felipe comes from, because somebody as hyper-competitive as he is, two losses to the same person, that's, that's a red flag to a ball, right? Yeah, and there's something, uh, there's famously, Gordon does not let anything go, right? If, if, if you talk trash to him once, that's it, forever you're, you're a target. So, just imagine uh, Gordon's perception of this first match, how much of a target that makes Felipe. Yeah, I mean, he will not rest until he's had his revenge. So I'm just looking at some of the comments here, and there's some great comments in the live chat. For example, Felix the Tiger said that Gordon doesn't trash talk, he just says facts. That is often the case. He really does quite often just state very, very factually how he feels. Um, there's lots of comments in here about the psychological warfare element of trash talk, and I think that's very valid as well. That Gordon likes to trash talk his opponents because it's a way of getting the match going early. He likes to get inside the heads of his opponents, right? Yeah, and, and as in all things, Gordon likes to win, right? So so he's trying to win the trash talk. He's trying to win every aspect of this, this game. And then also, there is the entertainment element as well. Like Gordon just said right there in that, clip he said he's putting on a show so it is entertainment and gordon is a showman of course he goes out there with the absolute ironclad will to win but he understands that he wants to please the crowd in the process and he also understands that that process sometimes begins well before the match the ability to promote a match is one of the most important things in a professional grappler's career yeah, exactly that, and, and um, that <laughs> this match really doesn't need a whole lot more of it, does it? Right, the, given given how much uh, how how long these two have spent, kind of building up this match, the the match we thought would never happen again, right? The right. match that really had no reason to happen again from Felipe Pena's standpoint, and both of them are are delivering this to us. It's just funny, isn't it, that they've had two matches? The last one, of course, being in 2017, five years ago. And yet that war of words never really died down, did it? I mean, it's had a couple of quiet moments, but they've just, they've always been at it back and forth. So I feel like this match, that is a no time limit submission only match that will end only when one person has signaled true defeat. They have been submitted or maybe even put to sleep, who knows? But one person taps, the other gets their hand raised. That is a definitive result. It could possibly put an end to the trash talk. You'd think maybe it would be hard to continue that trash talk after a result like that, right? ADCC is right around the corner. <laughs> 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 that is very true. Yeah, that is very true. Very mixed feelings on the trash talk in jiu-jitsu. A lot of people kind of understand it. A lot of people uh, don't like it. They maybe get it, but they don't really like it. And there's some good examples in the live chat here. So, for example... A Frenchman, username a Frenchman, says that, you know, that GSP 
was to trash talk free. Um, you know, he was a good example of, an, of a martial artist um, who, you know, basically promoted himself via his skills and actually was a very different figure to that of Gordon Ryan. But uh, I think you're right that a lot of people here are kind of talking about the, the fact that they can they can see it when trash talk is, 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 is real and when it's authentic. Some people calling out Tim Spriggs for his trash talk, saying that it, it just felt corny because it didn't feel real. It felt forced. But then again, the good example of Mikey versus Gio. Of course, the, that was, you know, Mikey's post-match interview with Gio was infamous because Mikey just let rip, you know, in, in his feelings. There was a genuine animosity between the two. And I think that that match, a rematch between those two, is highly anticipated if it ever does happen because people know there's a real dislike there. Right, and and that I may, I think might, might be the best example of this, right, is is that it, it's tough to call any of that uh, great trash talk for uh, by in the in the core of it, but it is authentic, right? right? The 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 content of the trash talk maybe isn't uh, what you'd expect from Conor McGregor, for example, right? But it's authentic. It's real. They don't like each other. And don't be fooled by Felipe Pena's compo- his demeanor in these interview clips. He's a very very kind of quiet person, very laid back. You know, he's not because uh, <laughs> Gordon's got that special New Jersey chip on his shoulder, right? <laughs> you know, you're from the Northeast. You know what I'm talking about, right? They, so they, they just, they grow up tough in that in that corner of the world. Felipe Pena is way more laid back. Again, super competitive, but he doesn't have that same kind of natural aggression in the sort of the day-to-day life. But when you hear him speak and you listen to him speak and you really focus on what he says and there's a a quiet confidence that just exists in everything that he says about his match every time he talks about when i face gordon when i'm gonna go up against gordon there's confidence there unshakable utter confidence that he truly believes that he can win this match of course he does he's won, he's won twice before and I, I think at this point it's now now gordon is even more a, a potential uh, stepping stone for, for Felipe Pena because if he wins a third time, if he wins a fourth time, now Gordon is the best in the world that you're taking down and not just, you know, a future star. Yeah, there's, uh, there's, a, lot, there's a lot on the line in this match. You know, the stakes are so, so high. And uh, it's just days away now. Days away. I really can't wait. Again, so excited. But uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's a good show also. There are many other great matches to look at and we'll get into some of these now because we've got some good footage from the pros training. But just a quick shout out. I just spotted that once again in the comments, our good friend, Lex Friedman is watching and he says that he can't wait to see this match, hopefully in person. Well, Lex, there's a VIP seat with your name on it. I hope to see you in Dallas this weekend. You'd be very, very welcome as our guest. All right. So now that we've dissected the trash talk, between Gordon and Gordon and Felipe. Let's take a look at what these guys are doing in the gym. And before we bring up these videos, let's say hello to our comrade, Chase Smith, West Coast reporter nowadays. How's it going? Good to see you both. It's great, been busy out here. We uh, had four shoots in just as many days last week. So we got a lot of ADCC training and WNO. It's been a lot of fun. And yeah, you better believe I'm excited for this weekend. Can't wait to get back to Texas. 
yeah, we're having looking forward to having you here again. Me and you are going to be doing the commentary for the uh, for the show this weekend. Uh, going to be strapping in for what potentially could be a long match between Gordon and Felipe. We'll see. Hopefully, not quite as long as Isaac versus Kyle Chambers uh, the other week. <laughs> but you never know what could happen, right? But Chase, um, you've been bouncing around from gym to gym in Southern California, huh? How's it been? Uh, what, what have you seen there? Seen a lot of wrestling. Uh, unsurprisingly, you know, it is ADCC season and uh, everyone's working on the feet pretty much uh, exclusively. Right. But what I'm seeing a, a lot more of is also submission grappling on the feet. Guys, uh, you know, going for subs, dropping into leg locks. But again, everything on the feet, high intensity, shorter rounds, pretty much a common theme throughout all the gyms I've been at. And people are looking good, man. Like, uh. I go back to filming, I think of filming uh, back in 2017 even, or watching ADCC 2015, and I feel like the general, we've talked about this, but the general wrestling level has just gotten better and better every year, and people have really embraced all, all of the uh, attributes and skills that, that that brings. So even, I saw Craig Jones release a DVD the other day about basically different kinds of uh, wrestling pins on the ground and ways to like ride your opponent like a, uh, like leg weaves and stuff like that. It's all wrestling stuff, but Craig Jones has uh, rebranded it as dry humping, I believe is what he called it. But, <laughs> of course he did. Uh, good stuff. So uh, we've got a bunch of training videos on our website that you can go and you can watch full rounds between some of the best guys in the world. We've got training videos of the likes of of the B-team members, the New Wave squad, and many others. And we'll just pull up a couple of clips of those now, and we can kind of go through and talk about some of them. Let's start off with uh, this clip of J-Rod versus Nicky Ryan. So this is from inside the B-team, as you can probably recognize. That's Nicky Ryan looking a lot slimmer than maybe we saw him a couple months ago. You can tell that he's dropping weight ready for ADCC in September. And uh, Corey, you and I were watching this earlier. I was just geeking out right here about this footwork, the guard passing of Nicky Ryan. Man, he's he's putting it on J-Rod. And you can kind of see now why J-Rod, in many of his matches, he's able to escape from so many bad positions, right? Yeah, I, I can only imagine that these two train together like this every single day because the rate at which J-Rod is growing and, and specifically his ability to get out of the worst possible situations has to mean that he's training with one of the best one of the best out there, especially in, in this training room, which is Nicky Ryan. Yeah, of course, don't forget Nicky Ryan, world-class black belt, uh, will be competing in the 77-kilogram division at ADCC in September. Uh, and J-Rod, who qualified for ADCC by winning trials at under 88 kilograms. I mean, uh, technically, he's a purple belt. I'm using judicious use of the air quotes on that statement right there. Purple belt in jiu-jitsu now. But uh, fought most recently on the WNX finale, had a, an amazing match with fellow trials winner Giancarlo Bodoni. And this weekend, he's going up against Jacob Couch, a.k.a hillbilly hammer yeah it's a it's a great matchup for both of these guys right uh because i think that stylistically um i don't see this match surviving past the 10 minute mark they're they're both so aggressive so some submission um submission oriented submission focused j-rod has shown every once in a while a weakness for leg locks which is some, somewhere couch excels um and couch has shown that sometimes his his aggressiveness uh, can get him into trouble so i think it's, it's going to be kind of an explosion of a lot of action and then probably a submission we just can't predict which way it goes we got another clip right now for another who's number one competitor let's uh play this one of nicholas marigali who takes on rafael lovato jr now this clip chase this looks very similar 
to the match that he had most recently, just on who's number one a couple of weeks ago, right? It's that wrestling style, top game. This is a different Nicholas Marigali to what we saw in the Gi. Yeah, he's definitely committed to what seems to be the, the new, uh, I guess, game plan for, for the new wave team there, which is making Mount great again. But I think what's really uh, compelling about this match with Lovato is that that's been Lovato and Six Blades game forever. They've always been looking for the mount, dominating from top, passing, crushing their opponent's will, and looking for the submission there. So I think it's going to be a, a really, really tough task for Marigali to implement this kind of game against someone like Rafael. Let's talk about wrestling. Lovato's an excellent wrestler, a lot more experience, much more time on the mat doing it. Of course, all of his background in MMA you know, as well, factoring into this as far as the intensity, keeping up that work rate. Uh, this is a real test for, for Marigali to see where he stands in the Nogi landscape. If he's able to take down Lovato, my mind will be blown straight up. Like, I'm yeah, just putting I it agree. out there right now. So Yeah. <laughs> I, I, it's kind of one of those matches, though. You, I, I, I don't see either guy willingly want to go on bottom now. You know, that both guys can play guard. But, of course, Lovato's top game is very, very well known. And Marigali's been showing the kind of a similar deal, you know, that he's evolving this top game in the no-gi as well. So, Kind of an interesting uh, equation as to exactly how that match or what it looks like. Uh, the next training video that we'll pull up right now is of Felipe Pena. So this was shot in his gym in Brazil. We also have a very, very cool video, a little a tour inside his gym. One of the best gyms I've ever seen in my life, honestly. But the thing is about Felipe Pena. So you're watching him in action right here. And the training video, it kind of looks a little underwhelming. But the truth is, and I went through a lot of footage of Felipe Pena. He is just that good that he makes even the best training partners look really, really average. Yeah, it looks a lot like what uh, any any training round on the site with uh, Gordon Ryan, right? Because it's it's a very similar thing. It's Gordon seemingly walking through the motions, Felipe seemingly walking through the motions, and yet dominating. First you time took the I words ever right out of my mouth. <laughs> I, had, I had that same thought, Michael. It looks like Gordon. When you watch Gordon in the gym, it's so methodical uh, and slow, straight up just kind of slow. But it's, right. there's a purpose behind everything. First time I ever went to see Felipe Pena uh, was in 2013. I traveled to his hometown, Belo Horizonte in Brazil. I went to shoot a video with him. And uh, the first training session, right off the plane, I got picked up, Felipe picked me up at the airport, and we went straight to the gym for his first training session of the day, and it was a no-gi session. And uh, we went in this gym, and, it, you know, he just ran through everybody that day. I'm just, you know, I, I produced just this fantastic highlight of him just taking everybody's back, and it was just vintage Pravgisa. He was just slaying people, just getting the back over and over and over and finishing them. And at the end of the session, I was kind of like... Wondering, because there's no gi, it's hard to tell. They're all wearing different color gear. I was like, so kind of, you know, what what level were the guys that you were training at today? Expecting him to say, oh, yeah, that guy's a blue belt, that guy's a purple belt. And he's like, they're all black belts. <laughs> all, all of them. Everybody in the room was a black belt. And he just ran through them. That's how good he is. So, yeah, highly skilled. But speaking of highly skilled, let's take a look at this video of Gordon. Now, this is an interesting training video because it is situational training from the legs and it's unusual to see gordon practicing leg escapes yeah it, it, this is a, a kind of unique fold uh, but it makes sense right the the rest of jujitsu has evolved to 
uh, featured leg counters, and here's one that Gordon knows very well, right? It's it's the uh, the same uh, the same attack that that uh, Pergisa hit Gordon with twice. Um, it's something that I've seen Craig Jones call in DVDs the Penna defense. Yeah, right? it's, yeah. It's something that's that's very famous now as the escape that Penna hit to take Gordon's back twice. Interesting. I noticed this as well because Chase, you cut together a highlight of their first match, that closed door match mm. at Studio 540. And I didn't realize, I mean, everybody knows that finishing sequence where he uses it to, to get to Gordon's back and choke him. But Fleepy had actually used that escape and that attack a couple of times in the match prior to that finishing sequence, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he he found a, let's call it a rhythm there. Gordon was kind of a little one-dimensional back in those days. Everyone knew him as a leg locker, and that there was uh, a great fear around those attacks, but Felipe found a sequence that worked for him, and ultimately it worked twice, right, in, yeah. in big ways. Uh, it just kind of blows my mind that uh, the last time we saw these two face off, Gordon was still a leg locker. It's been five long years, and Gordon's game has changed uh, dramatically from those times. So I'm really curious to see what he brings to the table. But it is kind of fun to see him going, uh, turn back the clock a little bit and, and work on those older techniques that he was using. Oh, 100%. I can't wait. I really can't. So uh, we have uh, one more training video. And uh, this is one that uh, that you were there for, Chase. You're actually in the room for this one. So mm -hmm. another who's number one competitor, returning ADCC champion. This is Beatrice Mesquita. Man, she's looking, she's looking in good shape. And she's looking aggressive in this training video. 100%. She is uh, very focused on ADCC and WNO working a lot of wrestling like i was mentioned earlier in the show here and she's actually training with if you don't if you can't recognize from uh, this inverted position nia blackman a, you know a rising star from the uk uh took double gold in the european championships uh throughout her blue belt career and followed that up as a purple belt this year did well at pans and worlds so she's very good and via more or less was uh using her as target practice you know it just goes to show that there are levels to this game in case you didn't believe me oh man, uh, this look is at her that. working with look her at that reversal coach. though yeah the come up from beer there the use of the guard to come back up to her feet that's that's world champ stuff right there yeah her wrestling's looking really good she's been put in the work again very physically powerful as well but we're seeing you know what some people like to call us included a lot of wrestle jitsu doing wrestling entries going in for shots and then maybe falling back on a leg sitting into guard uh she looked incredible to be honest really powerful stuff can't wait to see her in the mat against elizabeth clay she's extremely focused for w and o she talks about it in her interview how it's different than adcc but make no mistake she's working on those skill sets that's going to bring her potentially to gold in september yeah gunning for her second adcc gold medal 2017 champion and uh, B. Mosquito, of course, does have that key match with Elizabeth Clay this weekend first. So it'll be uh, very interesting to see what kind of game she brings against an opponent like Liz Clay, who's very much known as a guard player, tricky submission hunter. So excited for that one. Well, that's it from Inside the Gym with the Pros. And you mentioned ADCC, Chase. I think it's time that we look ahead to ADCC 2022. If you hadn't forgotten, <laughs> it's going down in September. You know, mm. this is the big one. This is the biggest Nogi grappling event in history. ADCC 2022 is going to blow everything else out of the water. And I'm expecting there's going to be a lot of people very amped up and excited by the prospect of being at ADCC 2022. So there is an opportunity for you guys to compete there that weekend. I think it's on the Thursday, 
September 15th, there it is, the Thursday prior to ADCC, inside the same arena the event will go down, the Thomas and Mack Arena, there is an open tournament, the ADCC International Open, with kids, adults, and masters divisions, both for men and women. And I saw a post on Instagram today, apparently Mo Jassim said that he's also going to host a 16-man absolute bracket with a grand prize of $5,000 and two tickets for ADCC for the winner. That's pretty cool. That sounds like a, a great promotion. And really, uh, ADCC has such a tricky rule set. There's no better way to better way to learn them than to compete in that rule set, right? So for uh, for fans looking to maybe get a little bit more out of ADCC, this is an awesome awesome opportunity to experience uh, the, the tricky rule set that is ADCC and that, that fun style of grappling that really can't be replicated. I also, think it's cool. super intense. I know... There are yeah. some uh, incredible athletes going to the Open. Johnny Tama has registered. We're going to see guys that were close to making it through trials in this thing. So if you want to take a crack at some of the best in the game, this might be your shot to do that as well. No Gi World Champion, Johnny Tama. Yeah, that's pretty that's cool, what actually. That's I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah well, there's going to be thousands of people in Las Vegas, 12,000-plus <laughs> people in Las Vegas for the ADCC. The majority of them will be active grapplers, you know, and I think that, you know, it's perfect in having this outlet for all that energy because they're going to be so inspired, so amped up from meeting ADCC competitors, ADCC legends. There's the ADCC legends seminar that's going down on the Friday night for ADCC. Uh, yeah, it's just being in proximity to all those world-class athletes as well. I think it's perfect. So no gi fans are going to have uh, just the best time of their lives. It's going to be a whole a big celebration of no gi grappling this, on that weekend, right? Absolutely, yeah. It's, it's, a, it's really a mini jujitsu festival. Yeah. Go to adcc-official.com and you can go and you can sign up. Registration's open now, so go check that out. So uh, talking about ADCC, the future of ADCC, there's also a good opportunity to just take a quick look uh, to sort of the history as well because, you know, we stand on the shoulders of giants. And I think one of the biggest and the most beloved names in all of ADCC is that of Marcelo Garcia, four-time champion in the 77-kilogram division. And Chase, I'm going to let you take this away as we play this video. This is uh, a highlight video of Marcelo Garcia's final ADCC when he took gold in 2011, Nottingham, England, in the 77-kilogram division, right? What did we learn, or what did we, what did we see from Marcelo in this particular tournament? I think Marcelo has some of the most fun just to watch as a, as a viewer from home, man. Uh, I mean, we saw this. This is when you think of vintage or classic Marcelo, him in his prime. Uh, a lot of great wrestling, butterfly guard, arm drags, you name it, aggressive on the top. And of course, the Marcelo team makes its appearance as well. Uh, just you can see so much of the modern game and what Marcelo is doing 10, 15 years ago. Uh, but yeah, he's just a very dynamic grappler and He's always hunting for the sub. I almost think, uh, you know, he uses his submission attacks to set up positional control as well, or he just gets the finish like we see here. Uh, really, one of my favorite athletes of all time. I think that goes for most uh, fans of jiu-jitsu, but we see it in this 2011 event. I'm sure you guys at home have seen, but in case you haven't noticed yet, we have all these archives now from ADCC past world championships from 2009, 2011, which is from uh, this video is featured, and 2015. And it's just a wealth of stuff. I mean, we have yeah. a lot of Marcelo matches, Hoffa Mendes, Dean Lister, Sean G. Ribeiro, 
Kira but yeah, Gracie. you're right. Marcelo versus Cron Gracie. We've got that match out there of Marcelo versus Leo Vieira right here. These are these are legendary matches, and you can now watch them on Flow Grappling. You can see Marcelo doing what made him just the legend that he is that got him into the ADCC Hall of Fame. And you're right, the jujitsu it. It looks fresh, doesn't it? There's something so universal about Marcelo Garcia's jiu-jitsu, and, and one thing that kind of brought that to my attention last week, I was, I was in, the, uh, in the gym working with somebody on a body lock detail that they were showing me, and I was like, man, where'd you pick that up? Was that like a, a new instructional I haven't seen yet? No, Marcelo Garcia. <laughs> you know, just <laughs> just wa watching some old Mar Marcelo tapes. Like it's, The stuff that he does is so timeless, universal. Right? It, it, it spans jiu-jitsu. Yeah, it really when, does. When I mean, in doubt, so go inspiring. back to Marcelo. You know what I mean? When in yeah. doubt, go back to Marcelo. Never be yeah. bad advice. Yeah, he, he really did. He, he proved the effectiveness of so many techniques. Um, and you get to see a little bit of everything when he competes as well, right? It's not, it's not like he's one-dimensional. He has a very clear-cut game, but it wasn't like it was predictable in that sense, right? No, 100%. Uh, he had so many options, right? And I, I feel like you can really see clearly in his game the upper and lower body attacks that Gordon, those guys talk about so much now where he's hanging on the head that opens up an opportunity to go into single leg X and then sweep. You know, he's just his opponents never look comfortable. And that's, I think, the key to his game. Among yeah, it really others. is ahead of his time. Man, Marcelo is the man. And speaking of ADCC legends, uh, well, we've used the ADCC spotlight part of uh, the last couple of episodes to discuss various grapplers throughout ADCC 2022. And uh, that includes returning champions, that includes trials winners. But this time, Corey, you've chosen a true legend of the ADCC world to feature. Yeah, and, and this week we're talking about somebody who is part of ADCC's past, ADCC's present, ADCC's future, right? Uh, uh, Shanji Hibero. Shanji has competed in more ADCCs than, uh, more ADCC matches, more ADCCs in general than any other athlete combined. He has competed in more ADCCs than he has not competed in. <laughs> <laughs> so Shanji Hibero has really some of the most iconic matches in ADCC, ADCC history. He uh, moved around from different divisions between 88 and 99. Uh, this match right here, this is from 2009, and you can see him in action against uh, former UFC heavyweight champion Rico Rodriguez. And um, Shanji, his jiu-jitsu is truly what people say when they kind of describe the classic jiu-jitsu right it's uh, heavily centered around good strong solid fundamentals it doesn't necessarily look flashy it doesn't necessarily rely on trendy techniques or or you know what's in vogue at the moment it, it's really it's about what gets the job done and shanji was able to do that against generations of opponents yeah i can't think of another athlete who has i can think of maybe one other athlete who has as many finishes from closed guard right he shanji just his jiu-jitsu is exactly what you would instruct you know a, a room full of uh white belts or a room full of anybody really his his jiu-jitsu is as as we've said the kind of jiu-jitsu that that spans time spans generations um, and and he'll be he'll be competing again in 2022, believe it or not, uh, in the this year the 88 kilogram uh, division where he won two titles. One of three six blades team members to compete this year. You've got Shanji Hibero, you got Victor Hugo and Rafael Lovato Jr. They'll all be in action at ADCC. But this is a uh, this is an interesting clip. This is against Gunnar Nelson, <laughs> who is uh, 
was Iceland's first jiu-jitsu black belt. And I believe that he was still only about 19 years of age when he competed at ADCC 2009. That was an absolute division match, I believe. One of three leg locks that Shanji ever hit in his career, he told me, as a black belt. And, uh, and you know, this is, man, this is Shanji. Look at this. Aggressive wrestling straight onto the neck. This is against Lucio Lagato Rodriguez at ADCC 2011 in the UK. And uh, I, I, I love it as well because it shows the versatility. You know, we've seen arm bars, saw a leg lock. There's a rear naked choke. Here's an omoplata coming up in his next match. This is from 2015 in ADCC Sao Paulo. And uh, it... it this is this is for me this is one of the the, the best examples of jujitsu to watch because while some people are associated with certain techniques or certain games you want to look at an athlete a complete athlete who is always focused on the submission always focused on just getting nice clean jujitsu technique to work that shanji hibero is a great example of that right chase Absolutely. I love watching the rarely seen Nogi Omoplata nicely done. And it's it's a real pri privilege for us to have so many years of Shanji on the site. You, you can watch it, uh, his whole career unfold, more or less, at least into the second half. And uh, his game looks like you said, the same. <laughs> it just keeps working. So <laughs> it's it's definitely some of the, when I'm looking for a little inspiration, I go, I go turn on some Shanji Ribeiro matches and see uh, what I might be missing. Yeah, from 2009 to 2017 right here. This is Finland, and this was one of his two close guard armbars that he hit at uh, uh, in Finland that year against the fearsome Rustam Chisiev as well. I mean, that guy, one of the most difficult guys to catch, and Shanji just absolutely handled him, right? Yeah, and with a close guard armbar, no less, which is something that you know very, very few athletes can pull off against the highest level and the most uh, durable of competitors. So, yeah, we have so many Shanji Hibero matches on our website right now, both Gi and No Gi, but a, a growing number of those from ADCC and a lot of material there to go check out. Well, that's pretty much it from today's show. Just a reminder, of course, that Who's Number One is coming up this weekend. And then on August 12th, we have the IBJJF Flow Grappling GP. That's coming up as well. We've got Leandro Lowe, Ronaldo Jr., Matias Luna, Andre Porfirio in the men's division. And then we've got Ana Rodriguez, Fion Davis, Natalie Hibero, and... Bianca Basilio. Bianca Basilio. Thank you very much. Oh, my too many I, was, I wasn't sure if you were going or not. I thought there was a dramatic pause Bianca there. Bianca Basilio <laughs> in, uh, in the women's, uh, the first ever IPJJF black belt women's uh, GP. And then a couple of very interesting super fights, as you saw. Now, Jonta Alves will step in to take on Levi Jones-Leary. And we also have Urba Santos up against Felipe Andrew. I believe you've got some video of Felipe coming to the site soon, right, Chase? I do. Uh, some of the, the eager fans of home have already found it. We've got Felipe... Uh, training rounds coming, Shark Tank, same with Tata Ribeiro, and Matias Luna. So a bunch of GP stuff. It's there if you want to find it. Obviously, we'll roll it out heavy next week after WNO le leading into the GP. But yeah, a lot of footage. And great to, for me to be in the room with some some Gi players. You know, we do so much Nogi here. I love the Gi. And seeing these guys work hard is, is always fun. Hell yeah. Well, thanks for joining us, Chase. And uh, thank you, the fans, for joining us today, especially for those joining in in the live chat. Some really good conversation in here. A lot of Marcelo fans, I can see. <laughs> Fletch Kelman says Marcelo loves the Ramones. 
making him the coolest jiu-jitsu guy ever. It's true. Marcelo is a huge Ramones fan, actually. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, there's, uh, there's a lot of good conversation in here, especially about the divisive topic of uh, the trash talk, just like we have in the title of today's show. Very interesting to hear uh, your, your views on that one, and um, especially those who uh, engaged in the poll as well as to whether you liked or disliked trash talk. But... Thank you very much for joining us. We will be back next week on Tuesday. Tuesday for next week's edition of the Grappling Bulletin podcast. Catch you then.